Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Our number two of Sharp Money from Las Vegas at our South Point Sportsbook Studio. I'm Ben, in for Patrick. Amal's here on the desk, Dustin behind the glass. Time to talk a little college football. We got. Cruton, we got futures them all, player futures as well. Some interesting uh, Heisman movement we want to get into uh, here in the next few minutes as we welcome in Brooks Austin, joins us from uh, Georgia as he is the uh, director of recruiting for Sports Illustrated on the writing side, also covers the Georgia Bulldogs for Dogs Daily. So, Brooks, great to have you on. We really appreciate you joining us here on a on a Wednesday. And I feel like the whole recruiting cycle, like, does it ever end? I mean, I see you tweeting this morning about the number one prospect in 2026, like narrowing his list down to eight. I mean, good Lord. <laughs> Yeah, no, nah, it's it's constant, and you know, like it's it's going faster now than it used to. Like, I think early enrollment plays a major ro- a role in the recruiting cycle nowadays. That's why it's moved up so much. That's why the calendars pushed up so much. So many kids are already enrolled come December. Early national signing day, they sign and then they get on campus as soon as possible. Uh, but man, that, that recruiting calendar's moved up so fast. Like now, I, I did the numbers the other day of the top two hundred players on the consensus twenty four seven composite rankings. Uh, of those 200 players, 65% of them are already committed, verbally committed here in July. So, like, most of the class is already wrapped up come, you know, senior seasons because they're not really senior seasons anymore. Uh, they're, they're basically just the last three months of high school. These kids don't really do graduation anymore. They don't do their senior proms. They're, they're on college campuses playing college football come that time of the year. Yeah, I love that breakdown you gave that. It gets you one year closer to free agency if you can make it to yep. the league. I mean, that's a big difference. But I want to get into the dogs. This team, obviously, defending national champions two years in a row. Now they got to replace, obviously, Stetson Bennett, who's done a tremendous job. Carson Beck takes over. For people that are unfamiliar with him, talk a little bit about him, some strengths with him, and some things that you might see as a potential weakness. Yeah, no, an interesting stat on Carson Beck. He signed in the 2020 signing class. He is the only quarterback in the 2020 signing class that has neither started a game at his, you know, the school he signed at or transferred since that class. So basically every kid that signed in 2020 has either made a start at the school he signed at, or they've entered the transfer portal. Carson Beck has done neither. And I think it speaks to who he is and and he's definitely waited his turn and earned his term um, or, you know, time, if you will. This is a guy who beat out Stetson Bennett twice to be JT Daniels' backup, you know, as a redshirt freshman in 2021 in the spring and then again in the fall. And then when JT Daniels got hurt against Clemson, it's kind of a toss-up, hey, competition between him and Stetson Bennett. And Stetson Bennett goes out and wins that competition, starts against UAB. The rest is kind of history. 30 games later, Stetson Bennett wins two national titles. And Carson Beck still hasn't started a college football game despite the fact that You know, there's a lot of people in that building that would tell you Carson Beck's the most talented in the room of all of those quarterbacks, and that includes a five-star in the form of Brock Vandegrift. So who is Carson Beck? Carson Beck's a six-foot-five, 225-pound football player that's immensely talented that most of the national media probably doesn't know about because he doesn't go to Manning Passing Academies. He didn't go to the Elite 11. He wasn't a five-star. He's just this six-foot-five, 230-pound kid from Mandarin High School that – you know, won the first state title ever in that high school's uh, classification in the state of Florida out of Jacksonville. So 
He's a good football player. He knows he's a good football player. Georgia knows he's a good football player. I just don't think the national media does quite yet. It's, it's funny because you say all those uh, kind of the description of what he is as a quarterback, and it just reminds me of what how we talked about Stetson Bennett when he came in on, onto the fold, right? Mm-hmm. His guy was very unheralded and and not somebody you would have expected to be in a position like that. And then here he was leading lead the dogs uh, to a national title. And so, Brooks, each of the last couple of seasons now, and especially last year, general thought and consensus was, all right, Georgia's losing so much talent to the next level. There's just no way you can replace all that and expect to be loaded once more. But we learned last year that that certainly did not come true. And now their, their odds are overwhelming minus 250 to make the playoff. Uh, how do you view you know, kind of view this transition now coming into 2023 where more big talent that they have to replace from last year, but odds certainly indicating that they are the team to beat by a wide margin. You know, they've always been a defensive led football team. They kind of lean on their, you know, their programs, culture on their defensive front. I think they're going to be a really, really good offensive unit this year, despite transit transitioning into a new offensive coordinator with Todd Munkin having left or Todd Munkin having left going to the NFL and Mike Bobo stepping in, you know, I think they have a chance to win the Joe Moore award, you know, the, the award given for the nation's best offensive line in the country. They have four returning starters on that offensive line. The only non-returning starter is Amarius Mims. He's a six foot seven, three hundred and thirty pound tackle. Most NFL evaluators are evaluating him in the first round of, of next year's NFL draft. So he's not a starter, but he's an NFL football player stepping into that role. And, and they've always been a run-heavy football team, right? Well, they brought in two transfers, Dominic Lovett and Ra Ra Thomas, um, who were starters in the SEC and contributors in the SEC uh, via the transfer portal this offseason. Of course, they have Brock Bowers at the tight end position as well. We've already talked a little bit about Carson Beck defensively. You know they do have to reload, and I think the first time, for the first time in a couple of years, they don't have a guaranteed first round draft pick on that defensive line. I mean, in the last couple of years, they've had you know four or five of them entering the year. It felt like in 2021 they did have four or five on the roster. Last year, of course, they had Jalen Carter. This year, they don't really have that staple. So if you were to say, hey, where are they kind of uh, you know vulnerable? It would be their ability to stop the run. That's not immediately guaranteed this year based off of their roster construction. Brooks, I'm not trying to minimize what the dogs have to face schedule-wise, but to me, Georgia's got to win four football games this year to win a national title. they got to win on Rocky Top. They've got to win the SEC title, and then they got to win two playoff games. And I think the fact that they've got 10 weeks to get ready for Rocky Top, and I, look, I get the game at Auburn. You know, I know people at Auburn probably think it's a, bit, a tighter game. I still think Georgia's talent is so far superior. I love Kendall Milton. You know, to me, I think that the stable of running backs and the way they've recruited there has been unbelievable at the tailback position. Yeah, I think a lot of people point to that Tennessee game. I, I like to point to that uh, that South Carolina game, September 13th, just because it's the first SEC football game, first real test, if you will, even though it's not the hardest of tests for Carson Beck. But, hey, that first one, at least you get it at home, right? But Spencer Rattler is certainly a capable SEC college quarterback worthy of putting up points. So if for some reason defense comes out flat that day, you get in a shootout, that might be a, 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 t- a temporary scare. But the one I have circled for a variety of reasons isn't necessarily Tennessee. I think Tennessee season's going to kind of be in the wraps by then. They play LA, I think they played Texas A&M, Alabama, um, and, and another big game on the road before that even happens in the middle of their season. So the, the one I'm circling is that Ole Miss game for a variety of reasons, and it's, it's mainly because they can run the football. Most people will tell you to, to overcome an upset or to, to – to, you know, be an underdog and win a football game outright. You have to have the ability to limit possessions. That's a fancy way of saying you have to be able to run the football. And with Judkins and and Jackson Dart and, and Lane Kiffin's ability to design a run game, I think Ole Miss has the opportunity to control the football and control the clock this year against a Georgia football team. I'm not saying they have an ability to blow them out, but I'm, I'm, that's the only yeah. one I see that on the schedule outside of Tennessee that keeps it close because they have the ability to do so. And you got to be able to design winners. That's something that Lane Kiffin's shown in his history. Hey, I can I can be explosive as anybody if you give me the opportunity to do so. Yeah, Ben, I think Brooks makes a great point. When you look at uh, Ulysses uh, Bennett on that team, and of course Judkins running the football, the sure. only thing is to me between the hedges, it's so tough to win. That, that is always that is always. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, it's easier up. easier said than uh, than done. Uh, Brooks Austin, BA is where you can follow Brooks on Twitter. Fan Nation's director of recruiting, also lead editor for Dogs Daily. And you think about the rest of the uh, the SEC this year, and it, it's just bizarre to come into a campaign, Brooks, where there's just not a lot of buzz about Alabama. It doesn't seem like a lot of people are 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 super afraid of what the tide will represent on the field with a nine and a half win total. They're plus money to make the playoff. Uh, what's your take on what we'll see down in T-Town in 23? 
I think a lot of that has to do with the questions at the quarterback position. They don't have a single guy on the roster with more than 60 attempts, um, you know, career attempts. Tyler Bugner and Jalen Milrow are odds-on favorites to kind of compete, and then Ty Simpson as well in there in that quarterback room. I think the Buckner move coming down from uh, Notre Dame, obviously Tommy Reese being the offensive coordinator now in Alabama, there's some consistency there. You know, a, a quarterback in the room that at least knows the playbook. So I would give Tyler Buckner kind of the nod, if you will, right now in July to probably be the starting quarterback there. And that doesn't necessarily instill confidence, particularly when you have a team in LSU out there in the SEC West that a lot of bookmakers are probably favoring for good reason. You know, that, that LSU football team making the SEC West, you know, winning the SEC West last year, I thought was a tremendous coaching job by Brian Kelly. You go back and look at that roster. They're starting two true freshmen at tackle. You know, Jane Daniels is playing with basically a broken ankle. Keyshawn Booty had already been a cancerous issue at that point in the locker room. I mean, they were a downtrodden football team and somehow, some way LSU found a way to win the SEC West. I think, they're a much healthier football team. They're a much more experienced football team. They're a much better football team this year out there at LSU. So I think that's a lot of the reasons why you're not hearing a ton of buzz about Alabama quarterback issues. And damn, that LSU football team's pretty good. Yeah, you mentioned it, Brooks. I'm not as high on LSU as other people are because I don't like Jaden Daniels. But I'll tell you what, I, I understand Alabama's got some concerns at quarterback. But to me, if they allow Jalen Milrow to run, I don't think you can tackle this guy if it's flag football. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. I know a lot of people haven't seen him, but I, I just think nine and a half wins is underestimating Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Just with the talent on the roster, and you look at Jace McClellan at the tailback position, they got some good guys coming in. Justice Haynes, Richard Young, a couple of good freshmen. I, I, I don't know. Are we this? Every time we underestimate Alabama, we get burned. Yeah, I don't do it. Nine and a half wins right there is assuming that they're going to win. You're like, if you're betting that, you're assuming they're going to lose three win or three yeah. games. I can't pick out three losses on the schedule. Yeah. If you told me they're going to lose to Texas and LSU, okay, we still win our bet. You know what I'm saying? We yep. still get the 10. So I, I think nine and a half. I don't, I don't see the third loss on the schedule, um, even though that, that Tennessee LSU back-to-back looks a little difficult. But you get Texas at home. I, uh, that's the schedule. Uh, that's the season, basically, for them. Texas. Tennessee and LSU right there on the slate. They win two out of three of those football games. I think they're certainly not going to lose all three. Yeah. I mean, you look at the rest of the schedule and the Texas A&M game, I think is a lot is one of those them all that a lot of people have pinpointed is okay. Big, big upset watch, but it, that, you know, you obviously have to draw a line to how good do you believe A&M will be in 23. A&M, A&M always looks like Tarzan plays like James. <laughs> I had a feeling we get a good, a good one line of that. <laughs> hey, Brooks, did you stick around for one more segment? Have a couple other uh, topics we want to throw your way. Yeah, no doubt, guys. Awesome. We're going to have, uh, yeah, Brooks stick around because I want to know, maybe we'll tra- obviously transition some other uh, Heisman stuff from all, but it, could there be a, a team in the SEC that gives gives other teams a harder time than maybe is the perception out there in the league right now? Always such a deep, tough conference. And also want to get, uh, Brooks has taken some of the latest Heisman odds movement. There has been a respected group that came in, hammered one quarterback in the Big 12, whose odds have now continued to rocket downward. We'll discuss when we return right here on Sharp Money. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, 
or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. We all know about the speed of sound, but have you ever thought about the sounds of speeding? If you drive over the speed limit, there are lots of sounds that you might hear. You can hear the sound of your vehicle crashing, the sound of first responders desperately trying to save you. You can even hear the sound of people crying at a funeral, because if you drive over the speed limit, you could do damage that's beyond repair. One way or another, speeding catches up with you, paid for by NHTSA. As we welcome you back, Brooks Austin sticking around for another segment with us here on Sharp Money, talking all things college football. Brooks is the director of recruiting for Fan Nation of Sports Illustrated, also uh, writes on the and covers the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, and we have a lot of other topics to get to, Brooks, and so we appreciate you sticking around for one more segment. Uh, the other burning question I have for you, as far as the SEC goes, where it is viewed, at least on the odds board, of Georgia, Alabama, LSU, one, two, three. What's a team outside that top three that you're a little bit higher on than the market that you view could give a, a lot of issues to teams week in, week out that people aren't really talking about right now. You know, we already talked a little bit about Ole Miss, but I I think one football coach and one football program that I stand on the mountain for every year because they're just perennially above average, that's Kentucky. Did you know Mark Stoops and the Kentucky Wildcats have made bowl games in the last seven years, dating back to 2016? That's longer than Tennessee. That's longer than Florida. That's longer than Ole Miss. That's longer than Texas A&M. That's longer than Notre Dame. That's longer than Texas. It's longer than some of the programs that we, like, put up in the upper echelons of college football. And that's just Mark Stoops. Mark Stoops is just perennially 7-5. and five. Mark Stoops is look up in the middle of October, and damn, he's within two scores of Georgia and got the ball, you know, in the middle of the fourth quarter, kind of giving them a run. That's who Kentucky is. I think Kentucky is, like, Every single year you look up and you're like, why is Kentucky giving that football team who is supposed to be way better than them a problem? And it's because Mark Stoops is a good football coach. And you add on fact that they got Devin Leary in there as well. They perennially add in an NFL offensive mind, offensive coordinator. They just cycle through great football coaches and, uh, you know, above average NFL football players. So I, I think Kentucky is one of those teams every year. Where I'm like, that's SEC football. That's the bottom of their pack. That's their uh, Purdue, if you will, except they actually give people a run for their money every year. (laughs) I I love your entire (laughs) assessment and the last line about them actually giving people a run for the money. You know, if Will Levis doesn't turn the ball over in Oxford, they had a chance to win that game. You're absolutely right. I don't know if there's more coaches or better coaches that get more out of the talent that they have than Mark Stoops does in Lexington. I want to ask you about the program in Gainesville. I think this is the program, in my opinion. I, I lived in Texas for a long time. And UT thinks they're the greatest thing in the world. But to me, Florida should be the, the standard barrier in college football. When you look at the state, the recruiting, everything, and accessibility and money. Is Billy Napier a longtime fit there? I don't see it to me, at least from my perspective. I don't think he's going to be able to overcome Kirby Smart and that late Saturday in October in Jacksonville every year. Yeah, you know, when I evaluate football coaches, I go look at the film and I see if, if, if what they're doing is explainable. If I can look at it and I can have a reason as to why they're doing it. And I feel like Billy Napier is a good football coach. I don't, I don't think he does anything or makes any decisions that, I, that, that are head-scratching or that don't make sense to me that are not explainable. And, and, it's, and on top of that, from what I hear out of Gainesville and the people that I know down there and the, the people that I trust, his players love him. So he's a good football coach and his players love him, yet he's not going to have success because he's made a couple of bad decisions, one of which 
his recruiting staff is way too large. There's way his, his staff in general is just way too many people, just way too many things, way too many people touching your uh, organization, which means way too much information gets out. It's not really a tight knit, tight ran, uh, you know, environment, which is kind of what all successful college football programs are. So that kind of bothers me as well. I also think he has bad luck, tremendous bad luck, like so ba- so much bad luck that like he took over a job after Dan Mullen did, which. Dan Mullen is a great offensive coordinator. I think he's a top like 35 mind offensively, but he is not a very good CEO of an organization. Yeah. So things just deteriorated over and over and over uh, time there in Gainesville. So he took over a roster that was extremely depleted. So not only do we have a depleted roster, not only is the quarterback situation kind of iffy because we got a one-year starter in Anthony Richardson, and now we're looking at Graham Mertz. Have you seen that 2024 schedule? Holy smokes. So there's no way that we can just survive three years of like six and seven, maybe, maybe they're a five, you know, a four and eight football team this year. Maybe they win five games this year and then they have to go play that 2024 slate. So as good of a football coach as I think Billy Napier is just a lot of bad luck there, man, yeah. that he ain't going to overcome. I don't believe. I love the breakdown and agree with you there. That schedule in 2024 is brutal. But Ben, to me, I'll tell you the biggest mistake. They allowed Graham Mertz on campus. This guy had one good game in his career at Wisconsin. It was against Illinois, and he's been chasing that game the rest of his career. He gets a text or a tweet from uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes that's been downhill ever since. I'm telling you right now, Jack Miller or Graham Mertz are your options. Hey, hello offseason. You're going to miss 15 practices in December. Congratulations. Yeah, you're not, not following up in you know, the footsteps of some great, you know, the Wisconsin quarterbacks of, of my youth, you know, the Jim Sorgies, Brooks Bollinger's of the world. Best then, bounce yeah. passes I've ever seen. <laughs> Florida five and a half, by the way, is that is that win total. So everything you're uh, you're saying, Brooks, I mean, right on the money as far as expectations here for 2023. Uh, one thing I did notice, speaking of quarterbacks who, uh, you know, at least, at least these, there are some quarterbacks who are getting a lot of buzz as far as the Heisman goes, and you've got Caleb Williams as the front runner. But I did notice the other day uh, some a, a lot of betting interest coming in very, very recently. We saw a big shift in the odds as Quinn Ewers of Texas now has moved to the co-second favorite along with Jane Daniels, each at 12 to 1. Uh, for, for this buzz and the hype on you were sure it's Texas. It's a Longhorn program. It's all that's been a publicly backed team for so long, but uh, what do you make of, of all this Hewers hype here? And is 12 to one still a legit number actually on a Heisman front? I, I think it's funny how his boost in his Heisman odds coincide with him going viral for a workout photo of him, like <laughs> actually having his body put together. Um, those are those are connected, by the way. People are talking about Quinn Ewers, how his body has like reformed this offseason, how he's like rededicated himself to football. You guys follow NFL football too. I'm sure you've heard these types of narratives. Yep. Um, they they come out during the offseason and, and that's all fine and good. I gotta see like week in and week out success from Quinn Ewers. So if you start seeing Quinn Ewers stack consistent uh performances, then start hammering the Heisman odds because Caleb Williams is going to come out this offseason or this season anyways, and he's going to light it up. So I would imagine the odds kind of stick where they are. Um, Quinn might get a slight, maybe it bumps up to eight to one. I think that's better value. Once you see week in and week out consistency, than just taking it off rip right now um, based off of, Hey, he's got a six pack. That's great. He's always been a great athlete. He's always been a great thrower of the football. It's a, it's a matter of whether or not he's going to consistently do the things required to be great at quarterback. You know, like hit your check down when you're supposed to or tie your feet to your eyes when you go from read one to read three. You know what I'm saying? Like those things are required to be great week in and week out in college football. And Quinn hasn't quite shown those yet, but maybe he will. Brooks, I agree with you completely. I'm going to give you a name. Tell me what you think. I love this guy a lot of 14 to one. Look, Caleb's tremendous. I think the voters are going to expect to have a huge type of season. Lamar actually had a better year. The second year didn't win the Heisman. So I think that's the one thing that could work negatively against Caleb Williams, but Jordan Travis at Florida state. And the reason why I bring his name up, I think he's a tremendous dual threat guy. And also they play two marquee games in September, which I think allows him a little leeway in terms of getting out in front of everybody. Yeah, I like, you know, Travis a lot. I like what Mike Norvell does from a run scheme perspective for him. And you are correct in the in the sense that, hey, you're going to have a lot of national limelight for football games this year. Michael Penix Jr. is going to light it up out there in the Pac-12 this year. I'm just going to let everybody know that. That dude throws a tremendous ball. Adunze, that's a name. I don't know Adunze's first name, but Adunze is a baller. He's about 6'3", 205, and can flat out go get it. So I, I like what Michael Penix is going to do this year. Um, also. 
No Carson Beck on there. Brock Vandergriff is on the odds at 35 to 1. He's not even going to win the job, okay? It's going to be Carson Beck. So if you talk about long shot odds, he's not even on the board right now. He's going to be the starting quarterback for the two time defending national title winner. And they don't play a daggum game, a real game that's going to be within seven points of the spread until November. So Carson Beck, if you can find it anywhere, hammer it. We got it at DraftKings at 20 to 1. The odds are not as long, but I tend to agree with you. I think he's got an opportunity for a great season. You don't have, Oh, there it is, right there. Yeah, yeah. You don't have an overwhelming running back like you had in the past. By the way, I always loved when James Cook was there. Never understood why they didn't utilize him more. And you mentioned Roma Dunze over at Washington. This guy, Ben, is going to be a potential first-round pick. He's probably going to go behind the two dudes from Ohio State in terms of Harrison and Egbuka. But Roma Dunze can play and Jalen McMillan as well. This team's going to be dangerous in terms of the yep. passing game. Penix has a chance this year to throw for about 4,500 yards. It's not out of the question. No, no, well, no, no. Yeah. You think when you think about the personnel and, yeah. and the schedule as well, third favorite right now, Washington in that Pac-12. All right, Brooks, we can't thank you enough for the time. Thanks so much for sticking around another segment. Thank you so much for stopping by, and uh, we will be following in Brooks Austin BA there on Twitter. Uh, a lot of great content here still to come before the start of the year. Y'all have a good one, boys. Thank you. We absolutely will. Yeah, and you think about too, where uh, I was talking with. Uh, Thor Nystrom from uh, from Betting Pros the other day, and and he said of all games, you talk about on the Jordan Travis point of all, of every single game that he has already you know, run through you know, algorithm and, and looking at the lines for week one, that's like the the most coin flippy of every FBS game, LSU Florida State. He would make it exactly a pick'em. Uh, right now LSU is about a uh, what two and a half point favorite there, neutral site in Orlando. So. I that, that, that will continue to be, I think, the most fascinating week one handicap we have. I don't understand that. I love the Seminoles in that game. You're playing I, in I Orlando. Too. The last time they played in New Orleans, it's 70 miles from the Baton Rouge campus. Now you've got a Florida State team with a lot more confidence. Right? When they went into that game against LSU, they were hoping to win. Now they're going in expecting to win. This is a different Seminoles team. Look, for Florida State, the expectation this year is not only winning the ACC, but it's the college football playoff. An undefeated regular season in Tallahassee is not out of the uh, possibility. The Miami game is a rivalry game. It's always going to be tough. The game for me is not the LSU game. It's the game in Death Valley at the end of Great September. Point. Yeah, absolutely. Co-favorites with Clemson this year in the ACC. We'll transition, talk a little NFL. Brett Martell from the AP in New Orleans joins us right after this. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Download the DraftKings app today, and new customers can bet $5 and get $150 in bonuses instantly. Use promo code VSIN when you sign up. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Well, I'll be joined here in, in, a little, in a little bit talking with uh, Brett Martell from the AP in New Orleans. Talk some NFL uh, news and notes as well. But Amal, it was a very special day yesterday in the sports betting world because you know why? No. DraftKings released NBA oh. season win totals. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know there was much going on yesterday. Uh, well, I mean, Alita Smitalina knocked out uh, Iga Sviatek. That was very special. I, uh, I told you, yeah. when we talked about it, I said, Iga's not going to win. She does yep. not win on grass. Yep. That's the first time she got past the fourth round. By the way, the Joker's still continuing to roll. He's got a tough matchup. I believe yes. his semifinal against Sinner is tougher than the matchup against potentially Alcaraz in the final. That's I don't. I don't think I disagree. I mean, Sinner has been has been ridiculously good. Yeah. I, I have I have some thoughts. We'll talk about uh, just the full the semifinals for the women are tomorrow, and then the men's semifinals Friday, women's championship Saturday across the pond at Wimbledon, and then the men's championship Sunday morning. We're down to the final four in both uh, men's and women's side. But with the so the NBA uh, the season win totals came out. It's just so fun to look because you do the glance and you go. Oh, that I love. That I love. What is what is this number? And so the the first one that caught my eye was uh, was the team actually the lowest win total on the board, and it's the Washington Wizards. And I'm thinking, okay, it's 25 and a half on a win total. The M, the, the people making these odds, right? They realize that th there's only 82 games in a season, right? Yeah. All, it, it's not like 150 chances to win 26 games. Because where where are the Wizards winning 26 with the roster construction that they have, where there is nobody on that roster that you really feel like from a night in night out perspective can, can be dangerous to whoever they're playing on the other side. I just don't see it. I mean, you know, one of the things you'd have to look at is in terms of teams and where their records are for some of the worst teams in the NBA, the wizards are going to be challenging for that. Uh, I'll tell you the one to me that intrigues me, Ben is the Phoenix suns at 51 and a half. The NBA regular season, part of it is, you know, schedule when you have back-to-backs. It's not that egregious. But because you have three bona fide superstar scorers, Bradley Beal's not a superstar, but he's a superstar scorer. I think you better have an opportunity to win a lot of games. I think 52 is well within reach. Denver at 50, I think 53. 54 and a half. Yeah, 54 yeah. and a half. Okay. I thought that was a little bit high. Uh, I think with the loss of Bruce Brown, having won a championship, 
this team had a tremendous postseason, 16 and four. I, I think they might lose a little bit of focus during the regular year. So that would be a little bit of a concern for me. Uh, the Boston Celtics at 54 and a half. I think they go over that win total. If you can get to 53 and a half uh, over his juice minus 135. I, I think the Celtics wind up with the best record in the NBA. Okay. Staking the claim right now. And the thing I, I come back to on as far as the Western conference teams and this 2024 draft class is widely considered by and most scouts you talk to or read any articles on. It's not going to be anywhere close to the Wembenyama Scoot Henderson sweepstakes. Right. So you have a situation where it's already a really, really deep conference to begin with. I don't really see a world in which you, you have teams legitimately tanking because there's just not, not the same incentive as there was in years past. And as a result, I'd probably look more unders for some of these mid-tier Western Conference teams. The one I'm fascinated at is Memphis because it's 45 and a half. Odds makers clearly have adjusted for the John Morant 25-game suspension to start the year. But it's one of those where you go, okay, even, even accounting for the suspension, it's a team that has had their core completely upended and will look a lot different than they did going into the playoffs last season when they were a number two seed kind of feels like a situation where like 45 and a half, it still feels like you're giving them the benefit of the doubt that they'll just figure out a way to overcome the loss of Morant, that, that first section and still be okay, which I'm not totally buying. I like this team. I think uh, Dylan, uh, they lost Dylan Brooks. I think it's going to be a good move for them overall, but Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson to me are professionals. I like their talent. I like, I think this team's going to be far more dangerous than maybe people see them being, um, you know, the problem in the Western conference is it's so competitive Right. Usually speaking, when you look in the standings in, in March, you've got two, three, four games separating like two through seven. Sure. So uh, I, I can make an argument either way. I don't think it's the best bet. And I'm trying to find one I'm extremely confident in. I think Phoenix over is good. I think Denver under is a pretty solid play. And I, I think Boston, there's going to be a bet in terms of who has the best record in the NBA. The Celtics are probably going to be the favorite for that one. You play in the Eastern Conference. Uh, we don't know if this Damian Lillard trade to Miami is necessarily going to go down. I mean, the, the Portland Trailblazers and Joe Cronin are ready and sitting and willing to wait. So right. that's not a slam dunk. Milwaukee's a threat, but I think Milwaukee understands you got to make it for the regular, uh, excuse me, for the postseason. So I, I think Boston over, and you mentioned Washington, another one under a 25 and a half. Yeah, that, that's the first one that jumped out to me. And yeah. I'm thinking, okay, that, that will be the first one in the account. Another one that's interesting as far as these, you know, these mid-tier uh, teams in the Western Conference amidst, you know, amidst a grouping that is going to be really, really competitive night in, night out and, and hard it's going to be hard and you're going to really have to have a lot of conviction and confidence in those teams to go over new Orleans Pelicans. I'm seeing 43 and a half. And it was interesting as uh, Zion Williamson uh, going on the Gilbert arenas podcast. Everybody has a podcast now go. Actually, I I've enjoyed the clips we've had from GA's podcast. It's been very insightful. And Zion was on that show in Vegas. Uh, he had this to say, talking about the dieting as he gets prepared for another season in new Orleans. Is it hard to diet at your age? Uh, geez. be honest. This is you. I'll be real. Uh, there are times when I will say that man hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard, man. Like you 20, 22, got a lot of money. All the, it feels like all the money in the world, man. It is hard, but uh, I'm at that point now where because of certain things, I'm putting back like the wisdom around me, a bunch mm -hmm. of like. I don't want to say older because they take offense <laughs> to it. <laughs> and I'm just putting people around me with wisdom. Put me on game to certain things and just go from there. Though. Hey, let me ask you real quick. This summer, has it been more cardio or more dieting? Like, what has been your thing? That like, all right, I can do that to help me get my weight up. So the diet piece, uh, I'm always able to come back each summer feeling good, looking good. Sure. But I would say it's more of uh, just locking in on, like, flexibility, band work. Because I think it's those things that will be able to keep me on the court longer versus just losing a bunch of weight. And they come into play, not being able to maintain us. So just, I mean, uh, Bron got the blueprint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> best no, 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 ser serious. Like, I'm, I'm glad they finally got a Zion a chair. Like, we could, yeah, I know, he was standing there during the whole podcast. <laughs> uh, that was Gil's Arena, the the, new, uh, the Gilbert Arena's podcast. That was uh, that was in Vegas, and so we're in that time of all where, like, it's summer. You can say all the right things, but. We get to a certain point, and this kind of feels like this is the year for Zion Williamson to prove that you can you can be the adult the adult in the room. You can be a legitimate professional and take your team to the next level. That's probably the faith you have to have if you believe New Orleans goes over a 43 and a half. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and I'm not ready to back him. He has not been a guy who's been durable or healthy throughout his career. That's the one big knock when you look at it, Ben, just the inability to stay healthy. And I'll tell you, I hate to say this, but I would take a wager that Zion Williamson at some point in his life becomes over 350 pounds. I yeah. mean, he just looks like he's heading to the fat farm. 
And the reality is you might be in shape for the season, but can he sustain it over his career? That's part of the greatness you see out of LeBron James, Michael Jordan, guys who always took care of themselves. And, you know, Zion mentioned he signed a five-year, $197 million contract. It becomes very easy to sit there and become passive. And if this team, let's say they don't win, then all of a sudden does he revert back to where he was last couple of years? So we'll see what happens. I mean, this is a big year for him, as you alluded to. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be uh, interesting to watch and see what happens in uh, New Orleans. Yeah, and it's like, would you rather would you rather invest in a like a Pelicans win total that's forty three and a half with all the uncertainty and you just don't know what you're getting out of the superstar player, or this, a team with the exact same win total also in the Western Conference, Sacramento Kings or forty three and a half. Where I look at Sacramento and I go, well, the, you know you know what you're getting from that core and you've locked up Sabonis. That's a guy who's been a consummate pro since he's been in the league. If you're forcing me to invest on an over of one of those two teams, it's, it's an easy choice for me. I'm all at Sacramento. Yeah, I would agree with you. You lock up DeMontis Sabonis. I like his professional. Look, there's not a bigger De'Aaron Fox fan in America than me. I've loved this kid since he came out of the Houston area and went to Kentucky. Um, end to end, there's nobody quicker with the basketball. He's a pro's pro. He's tremendous. They've got good pieces in place. You know, you felt like they were inexperienced in that series against Golden State. The Warriors are still more talented overall also. But I think that's in the NBA, no other sport do we see teams need to go through the rigors or growing pains of losing before they eventually win. Sure. Right. We saw it with the Pistons losing to the Celtics. Then eventually they took the mantle. The Bulls did the same thing against the Pistons. Um, you know, Lakers and Shaq and Kobe didn't necessarily have to go through that because Shaq is the most dominant player I've ever seen for my for myself. But usually you see teams have some hiccups along the way before they learn to win. Phoenix could be one of those teams. They lose to Milwaukee in the final. Um so it, I think it's interesting in the NBA in terms of how it plays out. This could be a good, good Sacramento team. And it's like the expectation now for Sacramento becomes completely different because yeah. they, they snapped such a, such a long drought. And now here they are. They're, they're in a position to at least get a, you would think, right? The, Probably the bar is win a playoff round, I would say, for yeah. Sacramento in, uh, in 2023. So uh, those are some of the, the interesting win totals. By the way, other teams at – there's a lot of teams at 43.5. I think this just speaks to the competitive balance of the NBA as a whole. Knicks are 43.5. Timberwolves, 43.5. I mean, it's a lot of teams that, that you're – like, I would, not, I would not touch with a 10-foot pole, but yeah. books are basically saying, all right, betters, have at it. Like, good luck trying to handicap these teams. Yeah, no, look, look, if you think there's an edge, there's an opportunity, you can take it. The numbers are always constantly moving throughout the regular season, so something to take into consideration if you're looking at betting them. But I'll tell you one thing, Ben. One thing where I disagree with people is the idea that, oh, because the odds makers created this number that they're correct, right? I mean, yeah. there's a, it's no, at the end of the day, it's all speculation. Are you just better at it than the other person? I think that's why that's just when you see the number right in the middle, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, like sure. it's, it's a team where you, it's hard to really pigeonhole them into one category or another. So you go, all right, we're just going to throw up our hands yeah. if we're an odds maker. Cause we aren't, we aren't going to, we're not going to pretend to stake our claim to that. That'll be really interesting. Uh, fun to see where these win totals goes. DraftKings releasing them. You can see the full list in the DraftKings Sportsbook tab for the NBA season long win totals. All right. We promise you we talk with Brett Martell from the Associated Press Talk, the latest going on in New Orleans, some outlook on the NFC South. We'll discuss all those topics with him next right here on Sharp Money. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast 
on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's always football season here at VEASAN, which is why we've already released our NFL betting guide for 2023. Our NFL betting guide will help you get ahead of the upcoming NFL season with in-depth profiles of every team, including advanced stats, proven betting systems, and proprietary betting trends, plus best bets on season win totals, futures, and props. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today for as low as $19 and get your digital copy of the VEASAN NFL betting guide or take advantage of our summer kickoff special and get access to everything we do through the Super Bowl for only $175. Sign up today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe speaking of nfl a division that is uh, quite wide open this year it's the nfc south and there's been a lot of headlines as well coming out of, out of teams in that division like the new orleans saints and so we go to uh, the new orleans area right now welcome in brett martell ap writer uh, based in new orleans give him, you can give him a follow at brett martell brett we appreciate you uh, joining us here and giving some insight into uh, a the state of the nfc south and then b the latest year with the new orleans saints and alvin Kamara after uh, he does plead no contest to a lesser charge yesterday uh, we've, kind of, we've been trying to get sort of a consensus opinion here on on what the projected timeline and then suspension length will be for Kamara. What, what's your latest thought here based on uh, all that you have heard on this case so far? Oh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get six games because, you know, first of all, a lot of legal experts and lawyers I spoke to were, you know, thought there was a real chance he could end up in jail time given the available evidence, particularly like he was really, really fortunate to avoid that, but that doesn't mean the NFL is not going to be able to see all that evidence and make uh, their own judgment about uh, possible discipline. So it seems like, you know, when you look at the tape of him being involved in that fight in the hallway in the hotel in Las Vegas, um, you know, I mean, he was down, he was, you know, down, down on top of the guy throwing punches. And uh, uh, I just can't imagine him not being suspended four to six games. I tend to agree with you there, Brett. Now they bring in Derek Carr under center. Uh, how does this offense look with a easily the best quarterback in this division now in terms of the saints? And then also, what can they expect out of Michael Thomas? Well, they have high hopes for Michael Thomas, um, but it's kind of a believer when you see it sort of thing just because he hasn't played for most of the last three seasons. Um, you know, some of that could be bad luck, right? you know, and he just he's had a rash of injuries. Some of it was maybe a miscalculation in his recoveries from those injuries, um, particularly with the season he missed with the uh, ankle injury. But, um, you know, when surgery was delayed, but, you know, in the three games he played last year before he got hurt again, he had three touchdowns and made some really, really difficult contested catches, um, you know, several of which helped them win their opener and one of the greatest comebacks in team history uh, in Atlanta um, at the beginning of last season. So, you know, I think the expectations are very high for Michael Thomas to be a strong number one and to open uh, things up more for Chris Olave, who had a great rookie season. Um, I know that um, Michael Thomas is very enthusiastic about the car signing, and Carr is very enthusiastic about an opportunity to play with a receiver like him. And, uh, you know, look, they're in a relatively weak division. Um, they have a pretty strong defense coming back on paper. You know, I mean, some of their leaders are a year older, and you just never know when guys are going to fall off there. But, um, it's you know, the confidence is pretty high that even if they're not a contender, um, they could be a contender for the division. 
And you think about some of the advanced numbers, too, and even you look at where New Orleans was at. They were top eight in the NFL in both offensive and defensive yards per play. All the, all the keys to success were right there for them, and yet as head coach Dennis Allen just repeatedly shot them in the foot with just bizarre in-game, manage, in-game coaching decisions. Has there been any talk from him about adjustments he's looking to make as, as he comes back now, second full year in charge of that club that would give better some confidence to actually bet the Saints? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, I think overall his defense was pretty strong, and, and, and the offense struggled, I think, because of a lack of continuity. But he was very hands-off at the offense. It was really Pete Chronicle Jr. Um, who was in charge of that. Um, but, again, you know, he, he had, you know, Pete Chronicle Jr. looked great when he was, um, you know, standing in for Sean Payton um, at various times. Uh, with Drew Brees as his quarterback, it's a little more difficult when you're, um, you know, dealing with Andy Dalton and, and so forth. And, uh you know, who was in his first year on the club and Jameis Winston getting hurt and, you know, those guys have different strengths. So um, it seems like, you know, again, we've got to see it, but it seems like Derek Carr is much more the style of quarterback um, that would be on the same page with Pete Carmichael Jr. And, um, and if they're able to manage the offense in that way and be solid on, you know, third and short, not turn the ball over again, they had tons of turnovers last year on offense. And that was really a major factor in them, you know, slipping out of the playoff race. So, uh, again, you know, they have, they definitely have to improve, but there, there's, it's within reach. When you look at this team right now, what's the biggest concern you would have for them going into the season? You know, defensively and offensively, there's talent and there's capabilities there, but what's the one area you look at and go, they've got to really improve. You mentioned the turnovers, but what else for you? Um, yeah, I mean, they need, well, Look, they need they need to be strong at linebacker, um, and uh, Mario Davis has been great, but he's getting older. Um, they lost some guys in the interior defensive line. Uh, they hope that you know they they hope that the guys they had coming in behind them and the, and the you know top draft picks um, they went with big guys and you know they can play uh, interior defensive line and you know, gradually fill in there, but. You know, those are unproven guys again. You know, so if they drafted well and those guys are immediate contributors, then maybe they'll be better off there. But there's a lot that remains to be seen about, you know, the Again, Brett Martell joining us uh, here from, from the Associated Press. Sports writer in New Orleans. Give him a follow at Brett Martell. Uh, Brett, thank you so much for joining us, giving a few minutes of your time. Uh, thanks again. You got it. Take care. Thank you. That we absolutely will. And you think about where this division is at. Uh, I'm all Saints favorites plus 120 in the division we are going to do a mall in or a mall out fun little segment in our last hour yeah. but i feel this is a team you you are already staking the claim on you are a mall in on the new orleans saints well they have the best quarterback in the division talent wise they're the best team last year and you mentioned it ben they were top 10 in yards per play offensively and defensively in terms of yield that they're a good defense you look at over their last 10 games i think nine of them they give up 20 points or less now you get an offense with Derek carr and Derek carr is good in those short intermediate throws michael thomas has been the best receiver in the NFL. NFL in those in that area uh, over the last half a dozen years. So, and he's missed a couple of seasons. You got uh, Alave on the perimeter. The Alvin Kamara suspension is going to hurt. There's no doubt about that. But I'll tell you what, the Saints are lucky to have him back. I mean, the reality of it is that guy should be doing time. It's it's amazing. He must have made a donation to the uh, the local prosecutors uh, campaign, re-election campaign. <laughs> yeah. uh, but. I think the Saints are in a great position. I don't understand the affinity for the Falcons. They've got good talent. But again, the Saints had good talent, but they didn't have a quarterback. So why the hell do people think that Desmond Ritter, who was, should have probably been on the Bearcats basketball team based on the number of bounce passes he threw at Cincinnati, what makes you think in the NFL, even with Arthur Smith, who's a tremendous offensive mind, he's going to be better? I completely agree. Well, and you think about where where this defense was at for for Atlanta, and a lot was made of spending a first overall draft pick on B. John Robinson when that was you know, arguably yeah. the strength of your team. And I was just pulling up the updated, you know, just the, kind of some of the consensus rankings on where the line on the position groupings for the Falcons coming into this year: twenty seventh in defensive line from Pro Football Focus, twenty eighth linebacker linebacking core. Like this is a this is a group that has a lot of work to do on that defensive side of the ball. Uh, secondary has certainly made a lot of improvements, but they're still a bottom 10 unit. Uh, when you look across the board and what a lot of respected people think of those, those individual player to player positional groups. So I'm definitely not ready to, to invest in Atlanta. When you have, 
your three main positional personnel groups on the defensive side, and they're all bottom 10 or worse. Yeah, absolutely right. I, I just don't look at this team. I can't back them at this point in time. I think Carolina would be this or should be the second betting favorite. And if you're not going to take the Saints to win the division, no problem. But I think Carolina would be your play. Let's go ahead and eliminate Tampa. Concerns at quarterback, but yep. they might turn out to be better than we anticipate. But they lost some guys in the offensive line as well. But Carolina, to me, at 4-1, to one, Look, I think if Bryce Young can stay healthy, my one concern with him is the Tua situation where we saw Tua with the concussions. Does Bryce Young potentially fall into that same category because he's so slightly built? He might be, from a weight standpoint, the lightest starting quarterback in the National Football League. Right. And so if he's able to stay upright and healthy, I think this team is extremely dangerous and probably the best odds on any team that's outside of 3-1 to one or greater to win a division that probably has a realistic chance. The Panthers at four to one, Ben. It's not out of the realm of possibility. You know, you could sit there and talk about um, the Arizona Cardinals on a long shot, but they're not going to win the division. But, right. but I think Carolina is very much alive in this division. And I, the thing I wonder on Carolina for this year with the head coach and Frank Reich, who we always kind of gave a pass to for any of the in-game coaching stuff. Yeah. But as soon as his offensive line failed him in Indianapolis last year, he he kind of became one of those deer in the headlights coaches, and he really struggled in in short down and distance scenarios. Well, this is a Carolina team where their offensive line made tremendous strides last year. They went from being a bottom five unit to, you could argue, a fringe top 10 grouping. So that's what I'm curious about them all. Do you get the development further at an offensive line position when you are, you're already trying to bring in a rookie quarterback, bring him along, give him the most keys to success? And if that O-line can be stabilized, will Frank Reich kind of return to that top-notch level that we all kind of assigned him as a head coach? Yeah, absolutely. He's gotten a lot of credit. Uh, we'll see what happens now in Carolina. I think because he's a former quarterback, I, I think it'll resonate well with Bryce Young, and this team's got an opportunity. You know, the division is definitely there for the taking. I, I think it's a two-team race in this division, uh, New Orleans and Carolina. I, I just don't see the Falcons being plus 215, season win total at 8.5. Yep. Panthers 4-1, to one, but season win total at 7.5. Nine and a half for the Saints, yeah. eight and a half Falcons, seven and a half Panthers. Yeah. And and yet we kind of view the two teams, or three teams, all completely different, kind of yeah. bizarre in the NFC South. Another hour in the books here on VEASAN Sharp Money. We'll talk a little bit of baseball. John Bowman, CBS MLB analyst, joins us right after the break. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.